Well, g'day everyone. Welcome to another edition of Unplugged. We are streaming live. We're going to do things a little bit differently tonight. We're one night out from uh, Friday night football, less than 24 hours from our clash with Carlton, which in many respects is a, another mini final similar to, to last week. And obviously we, we fight on in the face of a, a frustrating couple of weeks, but all of that will be discussed. What has happened in the last couple of weeks, selection, uh, some things around the future in terms of trade targets and the like, but we still very much have a season to fight for. And that'll be the angle of uh, my views over the course of the evening. But we'll, we'll start off as we normally do. And a, a reminder that uh, given we are streaming live, that you can interact via the normal means. We've done a few live shows where you can comment in the thread and uh, let us know your thoughts or questions. But you can also do it a little bit differently. We've chucked a link up there as well. So if you want to be involved and put your, your face on the video and, and be on the, uh, the the podcast, you can jump in and uh, have a question or a, or a chat or a, even a comment if you just want to vent for, for 30 seconds about the loss or talk about anything uh, pressing going forward, you can jump on and do that. Obviously, we'll try to get to as many of you as possible. Might not be able to get to every single one, but we'll do our best to get through as many as we possibly can. But if you if you want to jump on and either ask a question or make a comment or be a part of it, just click that link. You'll sit in the lobby and uh, Nick will, will, will buzz you in when it is your time to, uh, to, to jump on board. But we look at what was... Our poorest performance of the year, I would say, obviously we're ordinary against Essendon the week before, but we, we went nearly an hour without kicking a goal against Sydney and at no stage in the game looked even remotely a chance of, of winning it. 51-point um, loss, did a bit of damage to the percentage as well. Um, obviously, we had a few players out. Uh, we've made several changes this week, but I think ultimately, Nick, we were looking for a response and we didn't get it, um, so we looked some more. Yeah, really, really frustrating. I mean, I think we were all we were all pretty upset and angry around the uh, the Bombers game the week before, and 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 rightly so, I think. Uh, but I think what we also, I feel like this one was even worse. I mean, every every team, every club has a bad week. We we know that that was an especially bad week for us that that Essen game. But I think that we all kind of expected a bounce back week, and and it doesn't guarantee a win. We spoke about that last week. You, you never guarantee a win. You never guarantee four points. But yeah, I, I kind of felt like that this was a real opportunity for redemption, win or loss, but to, to show up and, and put your best foot forward and, and prove that that Bombers uh, aberration was an aberration and we just didn't do it. Uh, it, was, it was just really, really disappointing that you know, after all of that and after all the, the flack that, you know, as fans, the media, whatever, gave the club during the week that, you know, that wasn't enough to to turn it to turn it back on for the club, and I guess that was uh, that was a disappointing thing, and and another another task for Rats this week to try and get the boys up again. Oh, Aaron has just frozen. <laughs> We've lost Parco. Hello. Oh, there you go. He's oh, back. There he is. Got me back. There he is. Sorry about that. Yep. Um, yeah. Based on how we. Uh, how we feel sometimes, I think, leading up to games. And I must admit, I didn't feel great leading up to the other uh, Sydney game for whatever reason. And sure enough, it rang true. Yeah, and <clears throat> the, the simple way to describe that game is probably poor, heartless, soft. We were seconds at a ball. Um, it, the, the effort just was not there. We... We hung with them in the first half. I think that's the best way to describe it. The margin at half time was amazingly flattering. 
we, we should not have been 16 points down. We should have been much, much further down than that. That's it's it just wasn't good watching. I mean, I got to half time and going, we're not coming back. I 16 points is nothing, but that looked like 10 goals. That 16 point margin. It, it's just they just pushed us away and I guess I almost ran us into the ground the first half and then said, all right, we'll come out in the second half and just finish it off now. And and you could see from the first two minutes that it was it was all over. There, there was no fight. There was no like, against like against Brisbane when we had that bit of a bit of a rally after they put a couple of goals onto us. We fought back and looked good and thinking, okay, yeah, we're back in this. But they put a few on us and then yeah, nothing followed. So it, it was just the effort was there. It wasn't there. A lot of um, passengers, a lot of players thinking, again, that player can do it. That player will do it. That player will do it. Not, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the one that gets the ball first. I'm going to be the one that tackles this player. It it just wasn't, I'm in first. It it was just too much left for other players to do. And yeah, and, and that's the thing that brings a team down more than anything. Just not putting yourself ahead of everyone else. So it, majorly disappointing game. Um, I mean, I thought Essendon was the pits, but geez, mm. you, you've watched that and you just think, no, that's, it was very, very poor. It, it's interesting. Passengers, yeah. Passengers is probably a good, a good word for it because I think there were probably only well, five, maybe at most that could hold their, their head high and, and say that they did exactly what you just said, H, which was, was put the team ahead of themselves. And, I mean, amazing to see Jack Steele back a couple of weeks early and, and doing Jack Steele things. I mean, it certainly wasn't his best game in, in his career, but, you know, it was 27, 28 touches and, and seven or eight tackles or, or something. I mean, that's a very Jack Steele stat line, right? Um, but there were just so many, so many around him that didn't put in the same effort to, you know, put the team first. And, and it was it's just so disappointing to see Dash. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> It's interesting. I mean, the, the performance was clearly disappointing and, and clearly frustrating and, and, and a perfect storm. Sydney have been a bit of a problem for us. It's the SCG where if you can't score and you get cramped up, you can get stuck in that rut a little bit. We had no urgency on the football. We looked under enormous pressure in the first 10 minutes of the game, even when we were still in it on the scoreboard at a goal each. It looked like we were sort of paddling upstream a, a little bit and then it never looked like that would change. Obviously, we had... A few guys worked pretty hard. We we had players make stupid mistakes. We had bad umpiring. We had everything. We had you know the, the works that makes it a, a pretty miserable night. But it's interesting the evolution of Saints fans over the course of the week because I think a lot of the disappointment and frustration stems from the big picture, the the history aspect of it that we've seen that happen before. You kind of always have disappointment just around the corner, seemingly, but. It's funny as the weeks progress that you become, you know, you, you often treat sporting clubs like family. And I've been a bit that way this week in a sense that, yeah, we were all disappointed. We all exchanged messages. We all shared that frustration. But then as the week progressed, you had people from outside the football club starting to throw hand grenades and things like that. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, hang on a second. And you get your back up and you're like, no, no, fuck off. Like, well, this, this is my club. I That's can, right. I like, can give them, I can do I can that. Give them shit. You can't. I can do that. You can't. So, and and you get that from, you know, people making up stories of altercations and bits and pieces and 
uh, player disrest and, and you're sitting there going, no, 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 no. And then, and, but then you look at things like the Facebook pages and stuff like that. And I'm going to take kind of a different view on it that a lot of people are talking about, oh, you know, you've got to move this player on. You've got to move that player on. You've got to do this. We've got to look at Clarkson. We've got to do that. I'm like, we're eight and six. We're playing a game tomorrow night. If we win it, we're in the eight. Like, let's, we've got eight weeks to make the finals. We, we've hit the skids over a two week period. But I'm sitting there thinking, beat Carlton, shut everyone up get back in the eight and get on with it. Like you've had a flat spot for, for two weeks. It's been extremely disappointing. Yes, we've seen it before. Yes, they do it to us all the time, but we are still alive. We're eight and six. Our list is in a reasonably healthy position. We play against another good side this week. Uh, instead of talking about getting Clarko and delisting 12 blokes, let's beat Carlton and play finals. And and there's no, there's no better team to do it to, right? Mm. Like, listen to Carlton fans and they are so not confident despite everything. Like you look at, at the form lines and they should beat us by 10 goals, but they oh, the Carlton fans there. have bought the polish for the cup already. I think. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny because they're a little bit like us with Essendon, right? We've dominated Carlton. I know they've had a couple of wins in the last couple of years as, as they've had guys like Walsh and Cripps come through, but they're so used to us dominating them for the last 20 years that they are not confident. They know that we're down and out. They know that, you know, we're struggling, we're not in good form, and this is the perfect opportunity for our boys to come out and, and fire up and give them a pantsing like we've done, you know, a number of times over the last two decades. Um, and they are so unconfident. It's it's wonderful to see. And I really hope that we can just repay that a little bit and come out and, and, and pants them. Yeah, it'd be nice. And, and my view is that, you know, on one hand, yes, we've lost to Essendon and didn't fire a shot against Sydney, but you don't have to look back too far to beat Fremantle in Perth, to beat Richmond, to come from four goals down to beat Geelong, um, all sides that have been problems and things like that. So you don't just flick a switch and turn that back on. And there are problems. And to me, it's bewildering the, the last couple of weeks. Like it's been completely unexpected. They had some fight, they had some character and they haven't shown any of that in the last two weeks. And I don't know why that's happened, but they, they had enough credits in the bank that that hasn't killed them yet. So under normal circumstances, a couple of those losses would have put you so far back that you can't get there. But we have enough credits in the bank that we are still alive. Not for much longer if we keep doing that. But right now we are. So um, my view is that, you know, we, we've got the capacity to outrun them if we, you know, hit our straps to the manner that we have earlier in the year. Our, our run across the ground at Marvel against the Carlton side that has struggled to play four quarters despite being fantastic. They've had a great year, but they've drifted in and out of matches at times. So they are gettable. So um, it might be, you know, blind delusion and all of that sort of stuff. But I'm just not prepared to say that a team that's eight and six and out of the eight on percentage is stuffed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, look, you look at Essendon last week. They've gone to Perth with their tails up. Hmm. Going, yeah. beauty, we got West Coast this week. We're going to win two in a row. Turned absolute rubbish. They hmm. they played horrible football. That's because they're. Shit I'm looking. That's 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 them. not. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm looking again. That's not the team we played the week before. <laughs> Far from it. Absolutely not the same team we played. So, I mean, yeah, Carlton got their tails up. But who's to say they don't walk in going, "Hey, here we go, four points," and just roll them. And as you're saying, there's not a better team to do it to. At, at eight and six, like like you said, our our destiny and our future is still in our own hands, right? We can we can still make this work. We've got to obviously improve a lot. Like there's a lot of things going wrong at the moment, but our destiny is still in our hands, and it will be for another few weeks. And if we can if we can flick that switch again, then 
you know, we have the capacity to, to make some noise, but, you know, that's got to happen sooner rather than later. And, and what would be so St Kilda is that, you know, we get to that point where it's too late. And then for the last few weeks, we come back and turn it on and, and we win a couple and that hope comes back for next year. But, um, you know, ideally we can do that sooner rather than later and, and continue that kind of the, the, the good form from the first half of the season and, and make finals again. In very 99 when we were up for the first half of the year then completely fell in a hole and then beat West Coast at Subiaco or the Wacker or whatever by kicking 10 and a quarter or something in the last round, smashed them just to, uh, to finish the year uh, out of nowhere. But, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I, I think we've probably got to do it now, like four losses in a row. And if we, you know, there's got to be something tomorrow night in terms of fights. I mean, if you get rolled over and get beaten by eight goals again, like, I mean, if you get beaten by 15 points and, and have a crack, then you might suggest that you're turning the corner to a degree. But... I think they've got to start started effectively immediately. Um, uh, you look at some of the things during the week, like the Rowan Marshall announcements and the spirit within the group when that happened, and you know players getting around each other. You like they haven't collapsed. Like things have fallen apart to a degree on field, but you can. It, it, to me, it looks like there's a pulse there. You can potentially fix it. So, um, you know, very good side, Carlton. That you got to come up against. They haven't been beaten at Marvel this year. They play the ground better than the MCG, but. Yeah, to me, it's a case of I'm not going to worry about delisting a bloke. Um, I'm going to worry about trying to make the eight. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit early for that. I mean, there were some comments around the last couple of days around, you know, get get rid of any bloke over 25 or whatever off the list and just we're not you know, start again. It's not like it's just, <laughs> there, there's, there's, some, there's some horrific takes going on in the Facebook groups at, at the moment, as you know, as there usually is in, in our communities. But uh, we've had a few questions around the, the selection. We might get to selection for the Carlton game a little bit later on uh, obviously a few uh, discussion points there but uh, we've, the, interestingly we've got Rory Sackville on uh, <laughs> on, on Facebook and uh, interestingly engaging with independent content so Rory we might get to you a little bit later if uh, if you're free click the link and, and we'll see if we can let you but um, how do you want to how do you want to finish up from the, the Sydney game um well, I guess we, we probably have to spend all week to try to find votes. But, but Nick, uh, <laughs> have you been able to, uh, to to locate any? Oh, I'm gonna have to gonna have to find another screen here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, it, it was it was tough. I think there were probably yeah, like I mentioned at the top, I think there were probably four to five blokes maximum who could hold their head high and and kind of say that they did everything um, for the team and for the cause. That there weren't many, but uh, I gave one to Tim Membry. I thought. Um, just the, the the leadership that he displays, and again, it, it's it wasn't his best game by any stretch. He's, he's had games where he's contributed a lot more, but he's, especially in the first half, uh, I thought his kind of composure uh, to to kind of lead the team was evident, uh, and I thought that he was really strong. He had fourteen touches, five score involvements, four inside fifties, a goal, and a goal assist. You know, when when you kick four goals the entire game, four goals eight. Um, having a, a guy that has five score involvements uh, and is able to, I guess, impact in, in that way is pretty important. I uh, gave two votes to Seb Ross. I thought it was probably his best game for quite a while. Again, it was that kind of senior head leadership type thing that that we need out of guys like Seb, especially when things aren't going particularly well. And, uh, you know, I think our midfield performance in general was was lacking. I thought we looked tired. We looked lethargic. We were second to the ball, second to the contest. Um, but you know, he had 31 touches and, and eight tackles. You know, I thought that he he put a solid shift in and, and deserves to be up in the votes. And three votes I gave to our uh, 
our new contract extender, Rowan Marshall, uh, who I thought was clearly our best player. 23 touches, 42 hitouts, dominated the ruck uh, as the, the standalone ruck. And, and we know that kind of the, the, the ruck contests are not his forte, right? But he dominated Tom Hickey um, in the ruck contest. He had eight intercepts, seven marks, six inside 50s and five clearances as well. Uh, I thought he was by far our, our best player and most impactful player. And we just needed a few few other guys around him. H, uh, how did you uh, separate them? As Nick's saying, what, about four or five players that are going to get votes, and I think we'll cover them all by the looks of it. So um, I've gone a, a little left field with some of them, but uh, yeah, big apology to Jack Steele for not giving him one because if anyone had a reason to not be fully fit and fully up to their game, but still putting a mag- uh, good effort in the in the match itself, it was him. But um, yeah, I found three just ahead of him. Um, one to Seb Ross uh, for basically all the reasons Nick just gave. He he, he tried all night. Um, I mean, you saw him chasing blokes that he shouldn't be able to catch. He's not our quickest bloke, but he he was trying to chase them down. He he chased and chased and chased and put put in much more effort than a lot of the other guys did. It seemed at times. So he he he's got a bit of heart in him, and he he's actually trying. And it's yes, it's hard to see. The, the, some of these players putting that in and then seeing others standing around just sort of dragging on behind. So he, he's had a good couple of weeks um, football when we haven't been great. So he, he's been one able to hold his head up. Uh, gave two to Rowan Marshall. Um, in, in a winning game, that's a dominant ruck performance. Um, yeah, unfortunately, just didn't have the support behind him, the same as what Seb did and the same as what the our best, as I said, a half dozen had. The support behind him wasn't enough. But, yeah, Marshall, great game. And a bit, bit left the field, I gave three to Callum Wilkie. That's a game where Buddy Franklin kicks eight. He kicks eight in a match like that against us. And he, he did a magnificent job on Buddy. And it's it has gone so unnoticed. I reckon I've seen two comments all week saying, "Oh, Wilkie played brilliant," but I I reckon he had a really really good game, and he's the reason we did not lose by a hundred points. Because Buddy could have torn us a he could have torn us a new one. He he was ready to do it, but Cal was on him, and Cal didn't give him the space to do it. He didn't give him the opportunity to do it. And that's what we needed those what, five, six years ago when Sydney were absolutely belting us. He's who we needed there and then because that that would have made a, a big difference to what those outcomes, you know, those results would have been. So I, I thought he actually had a brilliant game. I gave a, an honourable mention. I mean, it's nowhere near votes under normal circumstances, but I thought actually Jack Billings was okay. Um, 21 possessions in a goal and a game that didn't really suit someone who's an outside player, SCG for one and getting flogs for, for the other, but he, but he fought okay. I thought Crouch and Sinclair tried hard. Sinclair obviously didn't have as much of the footy as normal. Um, and Wilkie, as you stated, I think was was pretty solid. Um, and I can certainly understand that in terms of the, the close nature of the votes. I gave one to Seb Ross. I thought he, for, for all of the reasons stated, um, best player in the first half, a little quieter in the second, but 
still, you know, a pretty strong contribution in a pretty good season. And one thing you can count on for Seb is that, you know, that, that effort and, you know, running to the right spots and, and working hard is always going to be a feature of, of, of his game. I gave two votes to uh, Rowan Marshall, pretty dominant game in the ruck, all things considered, one that should have really set us up to, to control the middle, but we just weren't able to do that. Um, and three votes I gave to, to Jack Steele. I thought, um, you know, not, not the best game he's played, but I think coming in off a, an injury layoff, uh, to have that many touches, clearances, use the ball pretty well, tackles, um, I think he was probably our, our best player over the course of the, the night. But Is that the yeah, first well, time we've had three different three-vote players? <laughs> I reckon it probably game. would. And and I think there have been instances where guys that have got three votes haven't appeared in other people's votes at all, um, which is really the nature of it. Um, obviously, Wilkie and, and Steele didn't appear in, in all of them and a couple of others as well. So such was the nature of the relatively slim pickings. A um, lot of questions coming through on selection, which we'll get to as we look towards our um, our next contest. And cheers to the likes of Timothy and Stephen and Julie that have just joined us in the last few minutes. Rory said he's in ISO, so he's got nothing better to do. I think he's got the spicy cough. Um, Bev Brown with a question saying, have we really had good form though? Other teams were down or had players out. We still can't win the first half. I don't think it's as simple as that, Bev. I mean, you could look at, aspects of it we've had players out throughout the course of it I mean if you look at the Geelong game we were four goals down our captain busted his shoulder Jack Higgins got concussed in the first half we were the team that was under the pump in that game and 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 came back and won it against Fremantle uh, I think we were both pretty even in terms of players out we we came from behind to win that and and the Richmond game fair enough no Prestia or, or Dusty in that game but you know, we, we've been a little short of our best in terms of guys like Ryder, I don't think, played in that game and a couple of others that were missing too. So I think Frio is um, probably the only one, I think, where that might be kind of a fair enough con because they lost Darcy, who was pretty impactful for them yeah. through the, the first half. I think they lost Darcy kind of halfway through the third or, or early in the third or something. Um, and, th- I mean, that was, a, that was a big difference. But I think the others... Yeah, look, I mean, the slow starts, Bev, you're right. I mean, the slow starts have been a real issue for us all year. Yeah, and um, that's a valid point, yeah. Yeah, massive, massive valid point. And I th- we've we've talked about it every week that we'd love to come out firing from the first bounce and, and hit the scoreboard in the first quarter and and really try and, and, and kick a team early. But, yeah, for whatever reason, that that hasn't happened. Um, but what, what we can hold our hat on is that a lot of the time, especially pre-buy, obviously not, not since then, but but pre-buy that we were able to work our way back into the game and, and into multiple games and, and obviously take leads and, and win games, which was you know something that we hadn't seen out of, uh, of St Kilda teams essentially for a decade. So that was, that was the promising, the promising thing. And, and even when we felt like we were down and out um, like the Geelong game, like the Freo game, despite Darcy um, that, you know, we always felt like if we were within a couple of goals at halftime, we were, we were always within, within a shout. Um, and within reach because we knew that we could we could fight our way back in. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's a valid question, but I think the the part about the the, the slow starts is is definitely the more the more valid point there. Yeah, you're not going to keep getting away with that, as we saw against Essendon and, and Collingwood, probably right even right at the start was another example of that. So, um, just got momentarily distracted by Western Bulldogs fans complaining on social media about getting a bad run with umpiring for the first time in seven years. Um, I reckon if you get a good run in 148 consecutive games, the 149th, 
um, was, was is, is probably acceptable, I think. But anyway, um, we we digress. Uh, question from a couple of people took that Simon Lethlean sort of apparently alluded to that saying, you know, we were lucky to be eight and three in terms of coming from behind. And that all sort of ties in um, a little bit together. Uh, Tim Dole with a question out to dinner. We'll listen later. But my question is, are we the Washington generals of the AFL integral to the comp, but destined never to win? Um, I, I think we've often pondered, Something along those lines, um, whether it be the Washington Browns, another one, or yeah, or um, you know, someone that's just they're they're a quirky and integral part of the comp, but but only for that reason. Um, the, to be uh, quirky, the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers have entered the chat. I think. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah there's a few we, of those. Follow, trust the process, Nick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> trying really hard to trust it. Yeah, the process has been difficult, but we're trying really hard to trust it. Um, should should um, if we're take, starting to take some questions, should we open the link up? Yeah, anyone who wants to uh, to jump yep. in and, and maybe ask a question live on the show can hit that link. We shared it uh, about ten minutes ago, I guess, in the comments of the Facebook post. So hit the link and, and join if you want. We'll get a notification, and, and if um, <clears throat> if we're able to, we'll, we'll let you in. Kenny says Billings needs to be traded again. I mean, I get that. You know, there are conversations that we're going to have on players, and later on we might ask a question about, say, Jordan Degoe, for example. But um, yeah, at this stage, Billings is in the lineup. We're fighting for finals. Um, I'd, I'd personally worry about that later, but but understands why people will be bringing up Barbara, Rob, Tim. Thanks for for jumping in. Steve Crab says Chicago Cubs. They finally broke through a few years ago after a hundred years of pain. Yeah, I mean. Mm there were comparisons made 15, 20 years ago with the Boston Red Sox curse of the Bambino and all of that sort of jazz. Um, uh, and all of those clubs have broken those curses, generally speaking. Um, and if we do, it'd probably be considered, you know, a yeah. similar line. Hopefully it's less than a hundred years. I'd rather not wait till 82. That's the, well, with the, with the Cubs too. Like, I mean, that's probably the only thing we haven't had happen that, that mishap they had in the, uh, mm. what was the, the guy's name where he, uh, uh, Steve, Steve, Bart, Steve, Bart, yeah, that's Bartram, it. Yeah. Bartram. That's probably yeah. the only thing that we haven't, well, actually technically we probably have with the 04 crowd invasion at uh, football park, mm. but, um, yeah, outside of that level mm. of direct interference, it's almost the only bit of bad luck we haven't encountered. It's, yeah. uh, it's it's a tough one. I mean, you look at the, some of those curses. I know, yeah. Before the was the, the ninety seven grand final, John Safran tried to do the uh, the, the cleanse. He got, got the witch in to do the <laughs> yeah. cleanse of, of the curse. Um, yeah, Melbourne had the the Norm Smith curse, a little bit like the curse of the Bambino. Um, you know, Sydney Sydney had their curse, and and they've obviously had their their time in the sun. Uh, yeah, I mean Geelong. these things these things happen. Yep. Yeah, have we ever um, identified? Where ours actually started, I'm but sure. When, I'm when sure. was the club Both established? Have an origin point somewhere, like the Billy eighteen seventy three. Something happened. <laughs> <laughs> Something's happened on the on the docks down in St Kilda somewhere. Oh, I don't know, but um, yeah, I don't know. Did someone try to take a goat to the footy? many years ago and get turned away. Rory says, fellas, Glenn March sends his apologies. Couldn't hop on. He's got another engagement trolling independent content. That's good. Um, Gary, oh, sorry, Greg Mulholland says, our midfield without steel has been a major issue. Win the hit outs but can't get good clearances and utilise King, etc. 
seem to be building a lot of attack from the half-back line and it's dropped off in the last few weeks. Need to be better against the Blues. Spot on. Timothy, on a similar line, uh, says, how do we fix our ball movement? As soon as we slow it up, we're forced to go long down the line. Then our forward line gets flooded and we have to bomb it in. Can't get any connection. Do we just play on it at all costs? Probably somewhere in between. Obviously, that can be a bit a bit reckless, but... Yeah, it's. I think when we're at our worst, looking at say the 2018-19 period, that tendency to attack with speed, get to about 70, stop, and then bomb the ball inside 50, and it feels like against Sydney and Essendon, that's the only way we've attacked is bomb it long or take a mark 70 metres out, stop, wait till there are 20 players back and then just sit it up and hope that either Sharman takes mark of the year or Max King, you know, splits a pack mark open. Six. Yeah, that, that's right. So... There are clearly issues in terms of finding targets inside 50. So yeah. I don't we, know if we, we do have a guy who should be able to pluck a mark from anywhere. And, that, and that's where we need a little bit that, as I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, we need that little bit of help from the other forwards just to give him that little bit of space. He, he can probably beat two, but he can't beat six. And that and that's the issue. Like We're putting on top of a pack where he's fourth up he's got three three in front two behind and trying to take it off him but if, if he's one on one one on two you give him a big chance you give him a big chance to take that mark because he's proven before that he, he'll outmark two players there, there's no no doubt about that his ability to do that so we need that space and moving the ball a bit quicker will give that opportunity because you don't get the backman getting back so quickly. And it just feels like the last three weeks, that's that's part of being the issue. We've moved the ball really slowly. We've taken a mark and stopped. Before that, we were running. We were moving the ball. We were playing freely. But all of a sudden, we've just gone, no, no, take the mark, back and go. Have a look around what, what's around. Oh, we'll have to switch now. Oh, we kick it that way and everyone's like, oh, okay, we'll switch back. Oh, what we do now? We kick it to a pack. So it's, it's just become a bit stagnant. Let, let's get that run through the middle that we had. That that was, watching that football was great. We ran freely. We moved for each other. It just, it just helped each other out. Getting the ball to our in the ground and having defensive um, opposition, thinking... Who are they going to kick it to? Not, oh, they're stuck now, all right? They're just going to kick it to Max. So we'll just sit all sit around him in a circle, <laughs> not let him out. It's it's just so blatantly obvious what we're doing. Nick, Let's change is, it up, Nick. What it's, do you make of just on that? I know you, you, you'll address that one as well, but it got me thinking in terms of King. Uh, Grant Thomas's comments on social media about his body language. Have you seen any issues in that space? Well, I was just, just about to say that it's, sometimes it's hard to tell whether the issue is with our midfield work or whether it's a forward line issue. And one of the things that we've we've spoken about uh, a number of times over the probably the last two years is King's tendency to stay static. I mean, it's and it's not just about Max King, but someone who's got the talent that he has, part of it is is for him to demand the ball and he doesn't demand the ball enough. He's got a, you know, we, we saw a few weeks ago, uh, Wanganine Miller and the ability for him to hit Max King on the lead, but he had to tell Max King to lead. And this is, you know, Naz's fifth game or sixth game. And he's 
forcing Max King to lead to him. King needs to demand the ball. He needs to lead for other players, for a Jack Sinclair, for uh, a Jack Billings, for whoever it is at half forward or on the wing or whatever. And, and he has to demand to be given the ball. Too often, we're just looking for him when he's got two or three blokes on him, standing still because he's got nowhere to move or, or he's not able to move. But King has to be able to demand the ball and, and get our players to give the ball to him in, in a, a format, in a way that suits him. And if you're if that ball is being delivered to him, lace out, in front of his face or, or to his chest, he's going to be unstoppable. We know how hard it is to outmark him when he's one-on-one, even one-on-two, like you, you, you mentioned, H. But if King's on the move and the ball's in front of him, no one's going to outreach him from behind, from the side. No one's going to outreach him. No one's going to be able to outmark him or spoil him. But he's got to, he's got to get to that point where he has the ability to move around the forward line. And, and again, whether that's a forward line issue and the way that we – line up around him and fill up space or, or don't fill up space um, to, to allow King to move, whether it's a King thing that he's just not confident in terms of leading without the knowledge that he's going to get it or without knowing what's going to happen next, or whether it's a midfield issue in actually getting him the ball and getting him to, to be able to, I guess, fix some of those running patterns to get him into space. It's really difficult to tell sometimes where the issue lies. And it's probably a combination of all of those things. But yeah, I certainly agree with, with GT that, that Max King has the ability to tear the league apart. We've spoken about this for, for three years, but he's a bit passive. He's mm. a bit passive. And if he just had five or 10% more aggression that, you know, he could be anything. He could be the best player in the competition. Yeah, and you often feel in the first 10 minutes of a game that you'll get a bit of a read on how his day is going to go, where he'll either clunk his first one or he'll hit his first set shot. And, and often that dictates things. So whether there's that ability to fight back, I know obviously he finished strongly against Richmond when he when he started the game slowly, but it's just about evolving that so that you're always in the contest. Uh, Claire, with an interesting... I was, I was just going to chuck in son just quickly there. You I, I, have a look at when... Um, he gets up the ground a little bit sometimes. And he takes marks on the wings and never drops it. Hmm. Every time he runs up to the wing, he takes a mark over his head, over another player. His hands are so clean when he runs up the ground. And you're just thinking, can't we have those marks in the forward 50? I'm inclined to say, start him at center half forward. Let him get a few marks up the ground and then moving back, get his confidence up early, up the ground a little bit, get it, get him a hands on the ball, then put him down forward and try to get him dominating. And that's where another confident target would obviously help. Before we uh, jump into a couple of our guests, Nick, one from Claire, interesting saying, I flew to Sydney for a wedding on Saturday. It was great to see the terminal at Melbourne full of Saints supporters. At the time I was bummed to be in Sydney that missed the game. I imagine that sentiment changed, Claire. I, I assume that the bar would have been reasonably appealing um, at the wedding as opposed to what was happening down the road at the SCG. Steve Cram says, seems like every time he does lead, our guys put it over his head. And a couple of people commenting on Claire's post saying they were at the airport, so they were amongst that. So cheers to Kevin, Joe, Dan, uh, and uh, also Chad that have jumped on in the last few minutes, and Bev Brown tracing, chasing or tracing the curse back to 1913, the day we actually won our first flag, but um, we're, we're denied by the AFL in that challenge rule. Uh, maybe that had a little bit of something to do with the uh, 
the origins. But uh, but Nick, have we got uh, anyone that's jumped on the link? We do. We've got Rory Sackville. Hmm. As some of uh, some of the listeners might know, former employee of the St Kilda Football Club. I might need a uh, a whiskey for this one. So we'll, uh, we'll let him in. Here we go, Rory. There he is. <laughs> the mug on this bloke. <laughs> oh, we got you very quiet. Just, very quiet. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Tom. I'm very quiet. He's got these really crappy headphones in and being an ISO pretty fun too. And this is just like in the other room. You're doing a good job, though. <laughs> Thanks, mate. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll try and fix up your uh, your levels for anyone who's listening later on when we publish the actual podcast. But that's cool. Any, anything you wanted to talk about, mate? Oh, look, I, well, I was waiting to hop on. Um, there was a lot of questions about Tom Heim. Or, I mean, I suppose my question back to everyone is, okay, who did he reply? Yeah, it's selection integrity is interesting. Um, when you look at Sharman out in, out in Dan Butler, obviously persisted with... Uh, even Ben Long getting dropped uh, as opposed to, to Butler. But then you look at Highmore, who's getting 30 to 32 touches and taking 14 marks a week. Um, obviously, the defence hasn't been a huge problem, but you do wonder, um, you know, what kind of a message that's sending. Even, look, Mason Wood was good in the first half of the year, but ever since he's been dropped, his form in the VFL has been average. He's been getting eight mm. touches a game. So I don't know how he bounces straight back in on that form, to be honest. You must sit there and thinking, well, I, playing well isn't necessarily just the prerequisite to get back in. No, I think with Wood coming back in, it's because we're missing C-Mac. Um, so we actually need another winner in the side. Um, and on the Highmore point, I mean, his opponent, I mean, I've been in ISO, so I watched everything that I could over the weekend. Um, I mean, he's opponent with four goals. I mean, he has to take him off it. I mean, it doesn't really matter that he's getting 30 touches and having 12 marks. He's gonna, if he's going to spill, you know, four or five goals against him. So, I mean, you're not dropping Battle. You're not dropping Howard. You're not dropping Will. And if yes. the argument comes back, oh, but, you know, Ben Patton, well, Ben Patton and Tom Hyde want to see them, but they can play. Complete, completely different players. And and that's one of the, I guess that's one of the things is you know, we've got a lot of those types of intercept mark defenders now. And like you said, you know, Howard, Battle and Wilkie are all going to take a forward. They're all going to be a defensive player first. Yeah, they're going to take a key forward in, in Battle's sense, may, maybe less so than the other two, but but he plays a role really strongly. And you're certainly not dropping Josh Battle for, for Tom Highmore. So in that regard, who, you know, like you said, who do you drop? And Ben Patton's probably the one on the, on the block. Um, yeah. He, he's probably been in, in the, the poorest form, but he's, he's, out, very, now, he's out this week. He's yep. out this week, yep. but he's also a very different player to Tom Highmore. Mm. You know, both of them play a very different role and Highmore's strengths are in intercept mark and, you know, in floating across you know, a, a pack or coming in as the third man up in, in front of a contest. Um, and, and, Ben Patton's very much a lockdown small. Um, and we just, we seem to have a number of those guys that are kind of in between talls and smalls, um, intercept markers, deliverers across half back or, or whatever. And uh, it, it's a really interesting one because he probably does deserve a game. But like you said, Rory, you're not going to drop Wilkie, Howard, or Battle. No. And then the other, obviously, lots of comments around Sharman and, and Darren, you just talked about the in out of you know, him over the course of the year. Um, I think they missed the trick again this week, to be brutally honest. I mean, they really missed the trick with uh, Carlton having, having no key defenders whatsoever. 
I think they've got 10 core defenders on, or 10 core defenders in the equivalent thereof uh, on the injury list. Um, but I think they were actually too much on yesterday. I think I was just say last week, the delivery, the delivery in there is, is, is pretty poor. Um, he's a type of bloke that I think he needs that consistency. He's not going to kick three, four goals a game like he did last year, but he just needs that consistency and he's not going to be doing him any favours, dropping him, you know, putting him in and out of the side. Um, literally week in and week out at the moment. Yeah, he, he, he looks like he's threatening to bust open a game occasionally. He, he, he has his patches of like five minutes where he'll get a fair bit of the ball. Then we won't see him for two quarters. Um, I think that, that's been his issue. It's, it's, he's got the skill. He's got the ability. He just needs a bit more of the ball. I think, I think, I think that's the... Part, part of the game that the clubs probably look at him going, well, there's two quarters that you haven't touched the ball. You haven't done anything for us in that time there. We need someone who's getting it as a four-quarter effort. Um, if, if he's not getting the ball, move up the ground a bit. Just try to find find a kick. Get back in, get yourself back into the game a little bit. Just, just try, and, try and do something to make something change. The situation we're looking at last week, do something to try and just change the game yourself because we were just stagnant. We're doing nothing. Let let's players need to go. What can I do to make something change here? What can I do to get us back into the game? But everyone just seemed to follow. Okay. This is what the game plan is. We're just flowing on. We need some smart thinkers in there. And I think he's got that ability to be someone who will do that. But I think he's just young and he's been given the role and he's gone, oh, that's what I have to do. That's what I have to do to keep, my, to keep me in the game. And I think that's what's actually knocked him out of the out of the oh, side, following great. instructions too much. Oh, look, I agree. I think that they've uh, easily coached his natural game out of him over the summer. And you can yeah. tell. I it mean, like, yeah. the boy comes in and, and has had, I mean, he has been in senior, um, what senior outside, in, in senior strength. You know, rules football competitions in the past. He'd come in last year, maybe, maybe the pressure was off. He kicked goals. He's done his first pre season, and we've coached that, coached the natural game out of him very well. And we seem to do that for a lot of players. Um, and look, we could, we could probably spend the next hour talking about the lack of development of players that are coming to our system as young kids. Um, they're clearly not the Jack Hazen of the world. and not, not players that have come to us from, from other clubs and come and say, how lucky he came to us as one of the 21-year-olds. But you know, clearly with Charmin, he's had one pre-season and we've coached every single natural inkling that he has out of Now, yeah. Rory, before, uh, before we let you go, now that we've, now that we've got you on the show, um, um, amidst a lot of consternation, I must add, over the last yeah, few man. months, but let's, let's, just, let's, let's also go on the record that you know, Nick and I have known each other for 35 years. Right. It has been a while. But, but now, that, now that we've done it once, even though it's in, in this type of format, can we get you on a proper episode one week to, to tell your story and, and tell us some of, some of your stories from your time at the footy club? Well, it, it took Ashley Brown um, from the AFL record and Jewish News and other, other entities uh, to interview me. It's taken you guys a little while. So, look, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to come on. I mean, it doesn't really get to play RWB footy, of course. Um, Tom, Lee, well, if, if, 
Rory, if you listen to the show, you'd know that we plug them every week. I know. I'm very well. Very well <laughs> great, independent, great independent content in RWB Fleet. Um, those, uh, those weekly match reports are, are fantastic. <laughs> they are. I, I must admit, I've, I've had a hard time reading them in the last couple of weeks. I probably haven't read them until Wednesday or Thursday just because it takes you a while to get your brain to process what happened on the weekend before you... Find it cathartic. Yeah, that's right. Eventually, you need it, but um, but there's a time when it uh, when it comes in. But I'm, I've been getting it generally when we were winning. I was getting to it when it was dropping on say a Monday night. But now I'm sort of about a Thursday is when I'm when I'm getting there, just because that's about how long it takes me to recover. But yeah, spot on with those thoughts. I think even Wanganee Malera's ball use in the last couple of weeks has dropped away a touch, and I don't know whether that's oh. been by instruction or by. Not, not instruction to turn it over, but not instruction in terms of how he's using the ball and less risks. And, and, where, and where. Yeah. And, and where. when. Yeah. Yeah. And look, then, you know, you want to talk about his come to, um, and I will go, I promise, and we'll do this and do this properly. But yeah, he's come to the club um, as the best he's in the draft, and we've been able to coach that out of him. It appears that way. Um, and, and fingers crossed that there could be a bit of that flair and that can return and um, yeah, same with Sharman. I know he flew for a couple of hangers last week, but he just looks a little bit lost at the moment. He played a game that was worthy of getting dropped. I mean, six touches and kicked the worst out in the full since Simon Eichel in the 87 prelim for, uh, for, for Melbourne. But Butler would have played a game at that level 11 times this year, I would think. Um, but yeah, that's the way, I think, the way it goes. I think with Paddy coming back in, they had to drop a couple of balls. That's, yep. that's all driver, yep. but Anyway, look, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, let me do this properly when I'm not in iPhone and maybe get a better <laughs> set of headphones and my, own, my kids are sleeping in the other room. But uh, thanks, fellas. I'll enjoy the rest of the spring. Good job. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Good to have Rory uh, jump on board. And, yeah, we look forward to that chat. There's a lot of stories around the uh, his time at the club and, and marketing them and, and during, you know, good and bad periods and all of that sort of stuff. But, um yeah, I, I remember thinking on Saturday night that are we coaching things out of the likes of Sharman and Wanganeen Malera and, you know, obviously Rory alluding to that type of thing as well. And look, Butler's not Sharman and Wood's not Highmore and Highmore's not um, Long and all of those sorts of things. So it's not a simple case of drop this one, pick that one, drop him instead. I, I get that there's a structural component to it, but um, yeah, it, it is interesting when you look one, at... One yeah. of the arguments that can be made, I think, is that Post the buy, you know, we, we went into the buy pretty good form. We had some good wins in, in the, the weeks coming into the buy. You have the week off, and then you go and change everything to fit the guys like Jack Billings, um, like Hunter Clark back in, and guys like Wanganeen Miller, like Marcus Windhager, etc. come out of the team when the cohesion of the group and, and the teamwork and that sort of stuff has been so important. And those guys brought in a, you know, a real breath of fresh air and then all of a sudden you bring in you, you almost force changes to get those guys back in because they're yeah. higher profile etc but the teams the, the the team was working in in the way that it was and yes those guys weren't in the team and yeah i feel like that even the week off and then dropping some of those young kids kind of messed with the the system a little bit and and it's been tough it's been tough ever since yeah, it has. The, the whole changing a winning formula thing that you shouldn't do. Because um, the other thing to look at is when what the seniors had the buy, VFL had a buy as well. So these players that we brought in, they hadn't played the week before either. So mm. I think well, they, even some of them hadn't even played two or three weeks before that. So they're coming in underdone. 
Um, bit flat, bit um, sit on the back of the heels, just not just not into the speed of the game. And we, I think, as you're saying, we might have introduced too many at once. Yeah, it's should have been who, who's the best, who's basically the best of what we've got coming back in. And on that, and, I think Clark's getting yeah. there. Like he was better last week than he was the week before. But uh, just before we welcome our next um, our next uh, talkbacker, if you will. Um, Having um, the, the Jack Higgins one is fascinating because I think demonstrated over the course of this year, he almost single-handedly won us a game against Fremantle, uh, against the Gold Coast and against GWS. Um, and he, you know, the Collingwood game showed again that he was a match winner by the fact that he missed chances and was ultimately the difference in that game. As he did in a number of games last year as well. That's right. And he's missed basically four games with concussion, two games where he got injured in the first quarter, so he didn't play, and then another two, and he's been dropped. So I just reckon if we're going to be anything, you can't have players that good not getting picked. It's mm. I understand why they dropped him to make a statement, but there are so many guys that have played worse than that. Like, we are a better side when Jack Higgins mm. plays, so just pick him. He's also a really different type of small forward as well. Like, he plays taller yeah. than he is, but he, he's... He's an energy type player. Like he's a real confidence player. You need to get his his tail up, but he's an energy player and he buzzes around and he's active and he moves. And I think that I think guys like King and Sharman potentially benefit off a guy like Jack Higgins because he does provide that kind of localized energy and and movement off the ball and just provides another avenue. Like midfielders and wingers can hit up Jack Higgins in the air because they know that he's got strong hands. He can take a grab. But at the same time, he can also sit at the feet of a king and kind of crumb the ball, crumb a contest. We, we've seen him do it a number of times, but he provides a different avenue and, and defenders really need to be wary of him because he provides such different looks at goal. And, and you, can never, you can never just let him go because he's so dangerous. And oh, I just feel like even when he's not kicking goals, even when he's missing shots, that he's much more valuable in the team and he has the ability to turn a game in an instant than having him in the twos. Yeah. I mean, right now you put, I'll put right in front of you both. Higgins, Butler, pick one. Higgins. Not even going to justify that with an answer, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> I was going to throw Kent in view too, Carco, but yeah, I'll leave, it, I'll leave him out. But I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you another way. Same question. And, and you're right. I mean, clearly, um, clearly um, Higgins wins that battle, but one back to you, H. Dan Butler, Ben Long. Where are they playing? That's the issue because Long played more the defensive <laughs> role and Butler to the forward role. Assuming, so that, they're that's... Both, assuming they're both playing small forward. Butler. Nick? Butler just though. Oh, that's a real tough one. Real tough one. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm... On this season's form, I've got to go long just for his energy. But, I mean, if both are at their peak, you've got to go Butler. In terms of upside and ceiling, you've got to go Butler. But if you're, if you're picking on form over the last 18 months, it's got to be Ben Long. What if you put Owens in as a third of those options? Owens. Yeah. Without yep, a, give him go. Without yep. a second thought. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, got a couple of people listening to the elevator music in the lobby, Nick, I think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Here's one. Let's let one in, and uh, I might might kick this one off once uh, <laughs> once, once he's joined. Um, we're, we're, this is this is basically just 
uh, Nick, this is your life. So <laughs> this is, uh, this is, let's wait till his headphones are connected. Uh, still waiting, still waiting. This is why we haven't let you on the show before. Uh, still waiting, connecting to audio. Now we're listening to yeah. elevator music, but this is, this is, this is absolute <laughs> nepotism. And to stop you from always messaging me, asking when I can come on the show. This is your shot. You've got two minutes. G'day, boys. <laughs> uh, long, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, we'd, we'd just like to say I'm, I'm definitely team Higgins on, uh, on this front. Got to be, got to be Jack Higgins. I don't uh, subscribe to the idea. Um, I don't know if you guys read it, a lot of the content that comes out in the, the AFL website and stuff like that. People saying that uh, that the Jack Higgins experiment was a disaster, and it uh, and it hasn't worked. Um, he's got to be. I don't read. I don't read sports content at all. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, but uh, in terms of goals per game, Jack Higgins would be up there in in one of the better small forwards in the competition, based on yeah. Yeah. based on um, the fact that he's what missed five games. Um, as, yeah, as he's kicked nineteen goals and he's played what eight and a half games, nine games, something, something like that. And yeah. you know, players like Tyson Stengel or Charlie Cameron, whatever it is, they're looking at about two two and a bit goals a game, and they're basically being touted as you know the best small forwards in the competition. Um, I think Jack Jack Higgins has so much upside that it's that it's ridiculous. But um, Nick Nick, you've you've talked about this before. There is one name that we don't add to this conversation enough when it comes to Higgins versus Butler, um, and that's Jade Gresham mm, mm. because um, I know know we've talked about it a lot, but um, he is by far. The best small forward in our team. Yeah. All right. Yeah, for anyone, for anyone listening, yeah. the, the voice, yeah. the voice that you're hearing is my little brother Benji, and so probably gets on the end of most of my Gresham rants in the last month or so. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm on, I'm on record as saying that I think Gresham's form over the last few weeks has been a liability in, in the middle of the ground. I think that he's been far more creative and far far more dynamic as a forward. And I, I, we we know what we can get from him inside 50 he's very, he's incredibly creative he finishes really well he's hard at the ball he wins clearances inside 50 and that's that's a really a really valuable asset to have but when you put him in the middle I, I know he wins a lot of the ball I know his stats on their own are very good you know they're right up there in terms of high value uh, clearance ball winners especially from a center clearance and, and we know we've kind of struggled in, in that uh, perspective over the last couple of years but his ability to give the ball away and turn it over time after time after time. It doesn't matter if you win the ball 30 times, if you give it back to them, 20 of them. And I think that's, it's, it's been a really valuable lesson for us to see it happen over the last few weeks. Uh, because I think we were all really excited about getting him back into the midfield mix earlier in the season. And he was really impactful <laughs> there, but over the last few weeks and whether it's a team thing or aggression thing or whatever, but he's been far more dynamic when inside 50 than in the middle of the ground. Yeah, I think he's a unique one in that he's our he's probably got similar goal sense to Higgins, but a greater ability to get the footy. Um, but I would think he's also alongside Crouch, he's our best player at getting first hands on the ball. Um, obviously he's a little flawed in that aspect of it because of what he does when he gets it. But 
look, he's he's a very good player, but there, there's obviously mm. conundrums as to how you, you you deal with it. I would agree that I think naturally, if you just sat him, I mean, he, he had games. If you go back to 2018, 19, etc., he kicked six against Melbourne, five against Richmond, games like that, where I think if you just sat him forward, he'd probably kick 50. Um, not, not to mention game six, winners six, against four against Coast 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 and um, against but Hawthorne, then, against Essendon, you lose. Yeah. What, what was that? Is, I was going to say he he kicked four against Hawthorne, kicked three against Essendon, as well as getting twenty eight touches. Yeah. Um, and is such a different player to Jack Higgins because you 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 know you trust Jack Higgins in a one on one marking contest, but you trust Jade Gresham to be at the foot of one on one or two on two or any of those marking contests because players like Dan Butler and um. Jack Higgins, they want to they want to get the ball in the air. It seems like at least Jack Higgins does. Whereas Jade Gresham, he knows he knows what he can do. He knows that he's not going to outmark his defender. But he's like Charlie Cameron almost. If yeah. he gets the ball at ground level, you back him versus basically any small defender in the competition. This yeah. this is going to um, sound incredibly. He's, I was going to say his his biggest strength in the forward line is actually his ability to find space. Yeah, you you, you go back to as you go back to where Darren was talking about, like around 2018, that sort of time. Most of his marks were from him getting to the other side of the ground and going, "I've got this space. I'm going to use this space." And the ball gets out to him, and he he's taking these marks by himself, 20, 30 meters out from goal, and and that's where he got most of his goals from. I mean, he was saying he was getting to the gets to the feet of the forwards, but. I think he's most dangerous, sneaking in behind everyone else and just going, I'm open. Look at me. I've lost my opponent and I've got to this open space. And that's how we used him. Um, so he, up forward, I mean, as good as he's, I, I'd almost call him elite in clearancing, clearances. It's just the kick that doesn't go to us when, we, when he clears the ball. He's the so, opposite of a lot of players where um, yeah. you look at um, somebody like uh, within our side, we've got a lot of guys that use the ball well around the ground, but not great in front of goal, like Billings, even Higgins to some degree. Wanganee Malera seems to not be able to find him inside 50, but good around the ground. Um, even Max King, field kicking elite, shot at goal can sometimes be a touch wonky, whereas Gresham's the opposite. He butchers the ball a bit in general play, but he's lethal around goals. So he seems to have that natural sense. So, yeah, he's the this, opposite this is, of that. This is going to sound incredibly <laughs> enough, and, and I don't mean it to be because I know that there's a massive discrepancy, but if there's one player that Jade Gresham reminds me of, and clearly in a different class level, in a, in a different weight division, but it's Gary Ablett Jr., right? Like, he's got the ability, he's the same body type, he's incredibly tough, for a bloke his size, and he can win the ball, he can tackle, he can chase, he does everything, uh, and, and it's a matter of where can you get the most value out of him. The, the way that, I mean, Gary Ablett Jr. is is a great of the AFL and, and AFL history and will go down as one of the greatest players of all time. Jade Gresham probably won't, and there's a reason for that. But Gary Ablett Jr. impacted, found ways to impact the game no matter where he was at an incredibly high level, at an elite level, no matter where he was, whether it was half back, whether it was in the middle, whether it was forward pocket, didn't matter. You could put Gary Ablett Jr. wherever you needed him, and he would do a role. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we're getting that level of production out of Jade Gresham just because we we know that he can win the ball, but the way that he delivers it across the ground is incredibly poor. 
but you put him forward and he has the ability to win the ball in the clinches inside 50 and finish at a really high level. And I, I just feel like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm in the, in the minority here, but I feel like he's more valuable to us right now when you've got guys like Crouch and Steele and Zach Jones to, to some extent wow. and, and other blokes that can win the ball in the middle and, and potentially do more with it around the ground and have Jade Gresham doing what he does best, which is finishing at a really high level. It was, yeah, he, it, loves to, he loves to snap around the corner. And I think you find that we'd much rather him snapping around the corner at the goal than to yeah. the opposition. And if, if he's kicking those snaps from 40 metres out as opposed to being in the centre circle, I think it might be, yeah, a lot more dangerous. And a couple of messages on that. Timothy said Gresham should play majority forward and pinch it in the middle. And Agreed. Steve says, I feel that Butler's work rate has been okay of late, but appears to have lost any of his confidence and flair in front of goal. I will say in defence of Butler, he wasn't our worst on, on Saturday night. I thought his effort was okay. We just had limited opportunities. He played a better game than Sharman on the weekend just gone. But if you look at body of work, but Nick, that's a, um, yeah, I think it's a reasonable summary of our small forward situation. I think so. Benj, we might let you go. We've got a, another guest in the waiting room, but uh, you've had your had your shot. How do you feel? <laughs> um, well, now Every, everything you dreamed of, head. everything you dreamed of, and more. Obviously, there is. He's back. So Patton out, Long out. Um, obviously, Sharman out. Uh, they, they've obviously left out Joyce, who was the the sub as well from from last week. Uh, the likes of Wood. Uh, obviously, Hill, Ryder, uh, Higgins uh, come back into the, the, the fold for, for this particular game. But, um, Nick, we did lose you momentarily there. Sorry about that. Lost uh, lost internet. Bloody Telstra. Probably seen me whinging. Oh, be- be- better than me not having it at all yesterday. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we've actually got, a, uh, we've actually got another guest in the waiting room. So shall we uh, let him in? Yeah, he's finished a magazine, I think. <laughs> Here he is. Hopefully, some elevator music for him. The nineteen ninety six Women's Weeklies are well well worn. I think <laughs> That's, inside, um, footy, inside Footy Magazine from the old Sen Studio waiting room. Oh, the they get, they're all flogged. They've all been yeah. flogged. Though. Old Kidman going through an eighteenth divorce that didn't happen. <laughs> the Honourable Philip Aladakis, are you there, mate? Hello, lads. How are you? Good, mate. We've got no video. Where are you? I'm in uh, far north Queensland. Wi-Fi's at a premium, so I thought I'd uh, leave uh, leave Wi-Fi to concentrate on the voice. I'm in far north Queensland in a couple of weeks. Um, actually, when we play the Bulldogs, um, any recommendations? Yeah, Darren, I'm putting together an amazing feast for you at El Greco, so Brilliant. that you don't you don't have to uh, worry about uh, about the gameplay. And uh, <laughs> like like uh, like I. I mentioned to all of you uh, during the game against Sydney, fortunately our food came at the halftime break, which meant <laughs> that I didn't have to tune into the second half and I feel like I missed nothing. I'll, I'll put a question to you, Phil, as well. Um, Zach Jones obviously didn't play particularly well last week, but I've made an argument if we talk about Tribunal Lotto. His bump was worse than Ryder's, I would have thought. Well, uh, I think you'd be right. The, di- the difference is that he's a little fella yeah. and uh, Ryder isn't. And uh, other than that, I've got nothing else for you because uh, <laughs> it is literally uh, like Lotto. And, uh, you know, it- it's really hard to explain 
Uh, I'm not sure what you guys have spoken about uh, thus far today, guys, but uh, just I don't think uh, people get the opportunity to say thank you to you three, and uh, I reckon it's about time that we do. So thank you to, to all of you for uh, putting on the show and also obviously to Tom and the boys uh, that write uh, at uh, Red, White and Black because I think the two of you cover uh, both mediums really well and do a great service for uh, the Saints community. Oh, I appreciate that. I think, yeah, what we try to be, and then obviously you've been a part of this with us as well, is that, um, yeah, it's just a, an outlet for fans. That's what we are. Um, we, we all talk about it. It's a chance. And, and a lot of one thing i found with the past players that we've got on as well is that a lot of them are really keen to, to, to obviously talk about it. They love the game. They've been out of the spotlight for a little while. They've, you know, they've got a lot of stories to tell. And I think they appreciate the interest that people have in them. And I often find that with our interviews, that the ones that get the most interest are, yes, we've got, you know, guys like Lenny Hayes and Nick Dalsano and things like that, Stephen Milne. But it, it's almost the Daniel Wolf, Mick Dwyer, Troy Schwartz, Brett Moyle type chats, I think, that, that seem to grab people, Jason Heatley, another one, because it's those stories that they haven't heard for a while. Yeah, well, Daniel McKenzie is a great one, quiet, unassuming. And from what I hear from uh, people at the club, suffers a bit of white line fever. <laughs> so uh, he, he's a, another one that kind of fits into that kind of unassuming category. And, uh, I mean, you've had some ripper uh, people uh, interviewed along the way as well and uh, all their stories I find pretty fascinating and uh, without uh, betraying confidence I spoke to Nick during the week and I, I just loved the chat that you had with Andrew Plimpton I thought that um, he was so open and honest uh, until you started talking about Tim Watson but that's a different <laughs> story uh, and then and then he couldn't uh, wait to talk about you know the other deals but anyway it, uh, he, he did provide of, some off-air background on that as well um to, to pro provide some context he's very protective of tim for a number of reasons so yeah. I, I remember in uh just after tim was appointed i was <laughs> at a coterie lunch uh so that's a long time ago now and uh i was you're pretty only impressed. you're only 45 then <laughs> well nick you can keep making fun of my age but at one stage uh, in about 20 years, you'll get there too. Um, but uh, I was at a coterie function and uh, he walked up and introduced himself. He put his hand out, didn't know me from a, 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 a bar of soap and said, G'day, Tim Watson. And I was mightily impressed. And I turned to him and said, G'day, Tim, Philip Deladakis, and uh, lovely to meet you. But just you know, how unassuming, of course, I know who Tim Watson was, uh, what a great of the game, but the way that he did that, I found mighty impressive. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he wasn't nearly as good a coach as he is a uh, sports reporter or sports newsreader or sports broadcaster, but nevertheless, a uh, great guy. And, uh, and uh, I think we almost just missed him actually recruiting him to play for St Kilda from memory. Yeah, 100%. I've been listening to the Greatest Season It Was podcast uh, back in the day, which is focusing on 1993 with Shannon Gill and um, Adam Collins and blokes like that. Um, and yeah, I think it was Kevin Sheedy that vetoed it because he was worried that Tim Watson would slot into our forward line with Lockett and Lowe and people like that and thought they'd be a premiership force if that happened. So we've got to bring him back. Um, he was obviously on West Coast list for a year, Tim Watson, who didn't play. 
Um, but then he, I think he joined Ken Sheldon as a skills coach and Ken Sheldon approached him midway through preseason saying, mate, have a run. Um, and yeah, then he said, yeah, I'll do that. That's fine. Um, and then obviously Kevin Sheedy got wind of it and, and, and Kai Bosch did, unfortunately. Now, he, um, he, he didn't like that newsreader quip though, did he, Plimpton? No. He didn't, like, didn't like that comment. So if, if anyone missed that, you might want to go back and listen even just to that little bit because that was uh, intriguing. Uh, it was a ripper, oh, ripper of an interview by all three of you. I was only talking up his ability as a newsreader. So, <laughs> Phil, I've got one for you because you mentioned Daniel McKenzie, but could you have imagined? I mean, you're you're about as hardcore a Saints fan as, as there is, but could you have imagined about twelve weeks ago that we we'd be saying how much we miss Dan McKenzie in, in the lineup right now? Uh, I would have said twelve weeks ago there was the potential for it, but it was unrealised. So I think. Uh, that what we've seen is him be able to uh, perform at uh, a high level. I'm not quite sure yet I'm prepared to say an elite level, but certainly at a very high level, uh, and certainly shown the way uh, with uh, his teammates. And we, we talk about trust and trust having been lost uh, between the team and the fans with the last couple of weeks of performances. And I think I've probably softened in that view as the week's gone on, helped by the fact that I didn't watch that second half performance. But, you know, from my perspective, uh, I think every team we've seen this year, obviously including Melbourne most recently, uh, have, have uh, down spots. And, of course, you know, Melbourne lost, what, four in a row? The, 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 the issue... The issue yeah. of three, was it? The issue for us was that uh, they'd won every other game <laughs> and pretty comprehensively, right? So, um, you know, again, not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but what we're going to need to see against Carlton uh, is a complete team performance. And that that's not... I've been very careful not to say a win, uh, but a complete team performance because I think, again... We've all said it at various times, uh, both on the pod and on social media, that you can't guarantee you can't guarantee a win, but what you should be able to guarantee is a performance, and that's what's been lacking uh, in both continuity and output in the last few weeks. Yeah, and that's that's been my focus for the last few days, at least anyway, after the disappointment of the Sydney game, it's been, we're eight and six, we're out of the eight on percentage. The Bulldogs, one of the sides ahead of us are getting a touch up as we speak. So um, there are opportunities there. Um, we've, we've given away the advantage that we created. We had an advantage at the midway point of the season. We've lost the advantage. So we're back in the pack, but we're in the pack. We're not miles behind the pack. So um, we've played two bad games in reality, not counting the Brisbane game as a shocker because we had our moments in that, two shockers in Essendon and Sydney. Um, the, 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 the scenario is is clear. Beat Carlton, get back on track, play finals. That's, what you, that's your task. Um, you've made some mistakes, so they've got to go and fix it now. So, um, yeah, I'm not prepared to sit there and go, oh, our season's cooked when we're eight and six. Now, uh, Dash, before uh, we chat into any other subject, there are just a few things that I just want to very quickly touch on. If you haven't discussed it, if you have, we'll move on. First one is the AFLW draft. I presume you've already ch- touched yet, on that. Actually. Not we yet. Haven't. We Not haven't. yet. Okay. Well, uh, I think that's I think pretty exciting group of four, but 
Can yep. you guys correct me if I'm wrong? Didn't we delist or say goodbye to about seven or eight? Yeah, and lost a few that just left in any case. So, um, yeah, it's so, going to be a completely new list. <laughs> so uh, we, we've added four, but by my count, we're a few short. So We, we um, also brought in a couple via free agency and trade. We brought in Nicholas Stevens from Carlton. Uh, that's right. A ruck, uh, I mean, do we, do we say ruck woman, ruck person? From Maybe it's ruck. I think it's just ruck, yeah. Yeah, brought in a ruck from GWS. Uh, so th- there's been a few coming. Obviously, we've, we've lost a bunch of experience. And, and that's, mm. I think, the, the biggest thing for us is that we've lost so much experience. Um, you know, letting, letting uh, Tilly Lucas Rod walk. Uh, Kate McCarthy obviously didn't play much oh, last year. But... Uh, Nick, I'm going to call you up on that. I, I don't think we let her walk at all. I think Hawthorne put I, an unbelievable I package to her. I think, and the other I one think on George... I actually think that that's far from the truth, Phil. <laughs> I actually think... I actually, and, and Controversy. What I've, what I've heard, and without delving too much into confidences or whatever, is that we essentially, given the new salary cap, the new... Uh, uh, commercial rules around player contracts and all that sort of stuff is that we offered essentially Tilly Lucas Rod, who was our best player all year, somehow didn't win the best and fairest, but was our best player all year, uh, essentially offered yeah. her the bare minimum and with no set role in the team. And Hawthorne were able to offer her a much better financial deal and a set role within their brand new team. And the other thing on that is that um, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing that the, the seasons being close together doesn't help us. But um, our best player, obviously, Patrikios, our best player by a street, um, didn't play last season due to the jab mandate. Given this season's starting soon, the rule's not going to change anytime soon. Um, but Kinda Smith as well. Yeah, the, the, the positive for Patrikios, I guess, is that if you look at her Instagram now, she's still quite close to a lot of her St Kilda teammates. There's a lot of St Kilda promotion and St Kilda celebration and all of that on there. So she looks like she's still invested with the club and her teammates look like they're still invested with her. Obviously, it doesn't help us because she can't play. But my fear was that maybe there'd be a degree of um, angst amongst teammates and supporters that might lead to that relationship just severing and going off its own way. But... Um, well, it looks I, like if that rule ever changes or if she ever um, stops doing research, um, she might play for St Kilda again. Well, I look forward to reading the Zero Hanger special on the uh, fallout of uh, the ins and outs of the St Kilda AFLW team. Nick, so there's one for you to uh, put on your uh, your list. Uh, very quickly, the other things also, of course, the uh, the draft, as I said, was great, but Good to see the progression from the Southern Saints and also the Southern Saints uh, into the VFLW Grand Final versus the uh, the uh, old uh, foe of Essendon. Yep. So uh, we'll see that. The other one, obviously, Rowan Marshall with his five years. Fantastic, as long as he can play and doesn't get injured. Uh, and then I've got just one really right out of the, the blue, uh, a tribute to Neil Curley. Yeah, uh, who who when I was growing up was as important to state of origin as obviously Teddy Whitten, uh, and uh, they they were fantastic uh, media personalities, and obviously before that, uh, football icons for their respective states. So uh, a special shout out to South Australians and the Curley family, of course. And I yeah, think probably. also just just on yeah. on Neil Curley, you look at those uh, iconic images of of the the Teddy Whitten lap at the G in 95 and, and Neil Curley was there by his side. Uh, you know, those, those amazing images. I was there 
that day. We, we got to the ground just as EJ started that lap. It was incredibly emotional. Uh, and of course, and, what's the linguist in Kilda? Go on. Spud. No, no, you should, you should, Spud. There you go. Absolutely. With Neil Curley. Oh, no, no, with, with, yeah. with, oh, the, with lap. the lap. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Make that clear next time, Phil. Sorry, I interrupted <laughs> your flow, Nick. You're meant to be, you're meant to be an, an elite orator, <laughs> Philip. Well, you've got to keep up, son. <laughs> you young people, you should be able Phil, to keep up by now. But b- before we let you go, you're on holiday, but I want to ask you something because I know that at, at least in, in some of our discussions and we've chatted with a lot of people at the football uh, over, I guess, the, the course of the last, say, four to six weeks, but the Jordan Degoe issue uh, has the form of the football team changed any opinions around the possibility of the club bringing in someone like Jordan Degoe? This is going to be a highly controversial discussion point. And it's fair to say that uh, I don't think there's going to be one person that's going to have the answer that will keep everybody happy. But for me, uh, my, my response will be, if you brought him into the club, what measures can the club put in to be more successful in ensuring that he's part of a team-first culture uh, at the club where obviously that's failed at, at Collingwood? Now, it could be a variety of reasons for that. Um, don't want to go into them, yes or no. But they're the questions that I'd be asking if I was in a position of uh, authority or, uh, or with a view to uh, how you identify about a process being put in place. Does he have the talent? Absolutely. Does he have the character? Well, I'm not sure that the answer to that is no, by the way. I'm not sure the answer to that is yes. But my, my, my big question is, how does he fit into the playing group and how does the playing group uh, get around him to make sure that, that he understands what they need to do together as a team, what sacrifices they need to make as individuals for the betterment of the team as well. Yeah, that's Phil, that's gonna, probably my, my approach. I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm doubling at the moment uh, with some tennis commitment. So I'm going to uh, jump out and allow you three to, uh, to, to close the deal. The only thing we haven't done is our awards, which are the Jason Blake, Shannon Knoll, and that so St Kilda. The, 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 that so St Kilda is probably, from my view anyway, just the, the position we find ourselves in where, you know, our, our confidence is so fragile as supporters. Um, Shannon Knoll, probably hard to, to, to pinpoint just the one, but I would probably look at Dougal Howard on that space. And in terms of the Jason Blake Award, um, Tim Membry probably gets that nod for me, but I'm going to uh, love you and leave you, the three of you, and you can uh, close it out with some awards at your end. Um, and, yeah, looking forward to tomorrow night when we, uh, when we take on the Blues. We're still alive, so let's fight the fight until there is no fight anymore. But, um, yeah, go Saints. Sounds good. We'll talk to you soon, mate. Cool. So, Nick, Phil, you're around for another another couple of minutes. I I will stay for as long as you'll have this interloper. Uh, (laughs) But I'll put that question back onto you, Nick, and you, H. Um, You've heard my response uh, in relation to uh, Jordan Degoe. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's yours? You you want to go first, H? I I reckon the thing is, he's a match winner, and if if you get him on a basically a tight a tight leash but but just give him that little bit of freedom that 
I know we can't, you can't, you couldn't nail him down. That that's as simple as the person he is. You you could not nail him down and go, you go to the football ground, you go home. You go to the football ground, you go home. That, that that's not going to do him any good. But at the same time, you also got to say to him, any issues that you call you cause, there's there's going to be games missed. There's going to be fines. There's going to be all sorts of things that you're going to lose. And if basically we got him into the club and and set the rules down and said, you're going to start on a a minimum contract. And as you progress, it'll fill, you'll get better. The, the, the contract will get bigger and bigger and bigger. As long as you keep in line, as long as you serve the club, as long as you give us what, Basically, you, we know you can how you can play. If you're a match winner, and it's it is worth a risk. It is absolutely worth a risk. But I mean, if it falls over and we go, well, no, you, you've you've ruined it within the first season. It hasn't cost as much because one, you're not going to. We don't actually have to give him give up anything to get him because it's going to be he's going to fall in as a um uh restricted uh, a free agent um so it's and if we do that whole scaled contract it, it's it's not going to cost as much money either so there's ways around it to build him up to build him into the club to get him i guess playing and just just figuring out that if if you don't do things right it's not or it's not going to be there and he is an absolute match winner and i, I mean I, i'd still a bit do we don't we but it's the sort of thing that you look at sort of thing if we if we completely fall over this at the end of this year you go just do it i i'd I'd be thinking it's it's a a risk worth worth taking and getting a match winner into the team, um, but yeah, there'd be absolute um, ground set for him coming in though. That, that that has to be what the club does. Otherwise, you can't you can't just let him walk in and do what he wants. That that's as that's as simple as it is because that's just let him walk in and yeah. Uh, we'd we'd see exactly what's what's going on now. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's sort of where I sit on that. It's it's a really interesting one. Clearly, the guy has talent as a football player. I mean, that's that's not in dispute. The, we've spoken a number of times over the last few weeks about the clubs deserve the clubs the the fans deserve credit for sticking by the club for going through all of this heartache and pain and what does it say to our fans having gone through this process over the last decade of, of changing our culture of standing up for causes, standing up for human rights, equality, women's rights. um, What does it say to our female fans? If having done all that at this sign of, panic stations, whatever you want to call it, that we then go and change our culture to bring in a guy who's potentially more talented than guys we've got on our list. Um, 
Now, I'm not saying that what he did on his latest thing, the Bali thing, look, I think that was probably a bit overblown. Wasn't ideal for sure. It wasn't a good look. Uh, wasn't a good look for him. It wasn't a good look for Collingwood. It wasn't a good look for, for the AFL. But there are other things in the background. It's not all about the latest issue. It's about a history of a history of issues, about a history of misbehavior, a history of borderline criminal activity. And again, I don't know the ins and outs of all these things. So I can only speculate against what's been in the media about what's made headlines and stories like we all do. But assuming there's some modicum of truth to some of those stories, what do you say to our female fans, our uh, junior fans, our child fans, our, our families and our community of, of supporters who have jumped on the club, being a family club, being a, a rights-led, a culture-led environment if you then go, well, we're not performing on the field, so we're going to go and, and recruit Jordan to go. I think, it, I think it's a really bad look for us as a footy club if that happens. I understand at a pure level, our, our job as a football club is to go and win games of football. I, I get it. Uh, I, I really do. And there's nothing more than I want for our footy club than to win games of football, than to win that premiership. But I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, would I still support the football? Of course I would. I would still pay my membership. Um, but it, it, there would be some protest. There would be some level of protest somewhere. And I just think it's a really bad look if, you know, as soon as things start. Uh, a month ago, we're, we're eight and three heading into the bye and people talking about getting Jordan to go. All of us would have been, nah, why would we do it? We're playing good footy. We're, you know, we're kicking goals. We're winning games of footy. If everything changes because you lose a couple of games, then I mean, where where do we stand? Where is that line drawn? And I just, it's a really it's a really difficult discussion to have. But uh, if we're willing to disregard our culture that we've built and we've worked so hard to turn around after a hundred years of behaviour by our football club, by our fans, by our players, by whatever you want to call it because we, we lose a couple of games of football, I, I just think that's a really bad look. Anybody? So the only thing I'll add to, so the only thing I'll add, add to that is that uh, H has said yes with an asterisk around the cost and, and you've said no and I've said process. So I think that um, that's a, a pretty good summary for probably where our, our fan base is at. The other thing also is that I know, for example, Grant Thomas has been pretty outspoken on this, said we're, we're in the business of winning premierships. And, and yes, we are. But we've also got, as Nick, you said, an AFLW team also in the business of winning premierships. And we've got a respect agenda. And the football club is so much more than just on-field performance for the men. And... As a football club, we get judged by wins and losses. But again, uh, at times, there's a lot more to it. So this is a pretty complicated discussion. Uh, some people will see it very clearly as black and white and say, yes, absolutely. And some will say, no, ferociously. Uh, again, I, I just come back to the fact that we need to ensure that 
we have a process in place that assesses the advantages, the disadvantages, the pros and the cons. And of course, the other thing we haven't spoken about is the potential impact on sponsors. Uh, you know, and, and uh, again, do we have our own culture uh, right that we can bring somebody in that has demonstrated uh, an individuality? Uh, again, I'm careful not to criticise him because I don't know uh, all of the circumstances, but uh, certainly an individuality uh, at the expense of the team first culture Uh are we strong enough to bring somebody like that in? I'm not sure that the answer to that is yes. Mm. From what I've seen by the leadership on the field, uh, and um, anyway, interesting, interesting conversation. No doubt, thought provoking for many that will be listening to it uh, as we've had it. Definitely, and I'm sure that you know the, the the number of comments we've had since we started this particular discussion uh, on the Facebook page uh, probably, I guess, you know, speaks to the level of. Uh, not disharmony, but but confusion and and different sorts of opinions on this type of type of topic, and that's understandable from a you know a fan base that is so starved of success at so many different levels. But uh, it is quarter to ten. Phil, you're on holiday. H, you've got kids. I've got kids. Uh, let's uh, let's try and wrap up. But we've we've got some awards, so. Phil, I might throw to you first, but you're that's so St Kilda for this week, putting you on the spot. Uh, is is Jacob Wiedering in or out? <laughs> uh, last I checked, he was out, but that may have changed in the last hour and a half. Well, if he if he's a lead in, that's so St Kilda. But uh, uh, how about that's so St Kilda that we're playing uh, Carlton? At our home ground, uh, and yet we're going to go. We're, we're, yeah, we're going to go into the game uh, that seats fifty thousand people, uh, and there'll be lucky to be about five or six thousand St Kilda supporters. I would have thought. I think the Blue Baggers will be out in force. Mm-hmm. H. Um, it's just the whole situation at the moment. Getting just just getting up our confidence so much, and then. Bit of a downward spiral, uh, but the I guess, I guess what would be so Kilda would be to pick us back up again and finish ninth, and that would that would that would just finish the season off for us, wouldn't it? So we'll, we'll see how it pans out, but yeah, we're, we're we're due to get a false sense of hope again, I'm sure, and at some stage, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. That, that does sound so secure. My one, uh, just quickly, I don't think I've heard anyone put it so succinctly as Charlie Clawson on the Two Guys, One Cup podcast that said the only way that we could hit up Paddy McCartan in our forward line was to get him to another team and play him in defence. Uh, <laughs> it, it seemed like it was just such an easy thing for us to do. Uh, and he just ran around almost uncontested taking marks and uh, he looked very good. And, and good on him i don't blame him uh i wish him all the best and, and it was good to see him running around playing good footy and not getting concussed but i wish that he could have been doing it in our forward line playing as a forward for us that would have been nice um or we the, could have played him back well all that too uh the jason blake award h what have you got for us this week oh it's a tough one um mm-hmm. at the at the moment i'm 
trying to think of anyone who sort of, I guess, I guess probably Winmar Malira. He, he he probably tried to step into the, as has been mentioned, stepped into the Hill role last week. He didn't play a bad game. That that's for sure. Um, it, it's just, I think he's just been sort of thrust into a position that he hadn't played too much, and he did okay. So I, I think he probably maybe didn't get a. I, I actually, I saw him get it. He got the best in one report I read. But apart from that, it, it didn't really get a mention anywhere else. But yeah, I think he was probably unfortunate not to get a bit more mention than what he actually did. He probably probably could have picked up a vote tonight from many of us. So um, he's probably probably the one I'd be looking towards. Just uh, just quickly before I throw to you, Phil. Apparently, according to Mike uh, in our Facebook comments, Jacob Weedering isn't named as an emergency uh, so far. So that's probably a good thing for us. What have you got for for Jason Blake Award? Well, I think I give. Uh, I think I gave uh, in my three, two, one. I gave three votes to any and every St Kilda supporter that sat through and watched the second half. So I'm going to give my Jason Black Award to every single supporter that watched the whole game in full in Technicolor. <laughs> there we go. I Very think good. I gave that last week. So we've they've polled two weeks in a row now. <laughs> Very good. I'm I'm going to go Rowan Marshall. I know that that I gave him three votes this week. Uh, uh, it's a tough one because I don't I don't think that he's performed up to his full potential. But in times like these, when everything is going wrong, that for him to to sign his contract, I know it was a it's a big deal. It's five years. Uh, things aren't going well for us on the field, and this is kind of one of those things that you just need to do to get done for the footy club uh, in, in these moments when things are things are tough, just to give the fans a, a little bit of hope again and you know hopefully it starts to perk the fans up uh leading into into this Carlton game uh I feel like uh Rowan Marshall and, and Paddy Ryder can have a really big impact in this one against the Blues the Shannon Knoll award is probably there's probably more options for this one than there is the uh the Jason Blake award uh Phil is there anyone in particular that you want to implore to lift this week uh, well, I think you'd be unfair to uh, identify just one individual given the recent performances. Uh, I think you came out with the great line, Nick, that, uh, that St Kilda are 10 out of 100, which I just absolutely thought was fantastic from you. And then I think you and Rory, I think, uh, came out with the same line, which said that uh, we played our worst game for the season to be followed up by our worst game for the season. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to share it to everybody equally. Excellent. H, what have you got for us? I was pretty much going to give it to the 16 blokes that were, that had tickets to the game on Saturday. Um, Yeah. Let's hope they cash those tickets this week and actually play. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to go a combination of Zach Jones and Jack Billings. I just think in in games like we've seen over the last few weeks that you need your senior guys to stand up, and we've seen it from Membry, we've seen it from Ross, we've seen it from Battle, we've seen it from Wilkie, we've seen it from Jack Steele, and that's about it. Uh, and there are guys that are on the fringes. You know, they're they're senior guys now. They're not 
youngsters. They're not 22, 23 years old anymore. They're, they're 25, 26. You know, Jack, uh, Jack Billings signed a four-year contract at the end of last year. He's a senior member of our football club. I know he's missed a lot of footy, but you know, in, in these times, you need your senior guys to stand up. And we, we've seen that we are still lacking as we have for a, a while. We are still lacking in senior leadership and guys that are willing to put the team first. We know what we're going to get out of memory. We know what we're going to get out of Severos. We know what we're going to get out, out of Jack Steele. Um, you know, it would be nice to add a few more names to, to that list. And those two guys are, are on the verge of being able to be really good AFL footballers and, and haven't been able to for whatever reason, quite get there. They've got talent. They've got the abilities, whether they've got the will and the want to uh, to do the hard yards. And, um, you know, there are two guys that could have a really big impact on the rest of our season if they put it together and if they, you know, are able to to give the the Jack Steele effort, the uh, the Tim Embry effort, the Seb Ross effort. And, you know, if, if all 22 listed guys give that sort of effort this week, then, you know, we're a really good shout. Any uh, any final thoughts before we we wrap up this week? Let's just hope we get. Let, let's just see some effort. That that's the first thing. Get. Let's get the first ball out of the center. Let's get the that first ball out of the center marked in our forward line. Let's put that first ball through to goals. Let's have a good start. We haven't had one. Well, well we've we've had a couple of okay starts, but let's really start well, because if we fall behind early then it's it's going to get a bit ugly, I think. So Carlton will get their tails up and just roll us if if we don't show up in that first 10, 15 minutes. So let, let's get the game rolling early and let's let's make put our stamp on the game early. Phil, you, you joined the podcast tonight to, to have a chat and, and ask some questions, but you've been roped into the, the medical sub this week. Uh, any Any final thoughts? <laughs> So uh, left, left field, uh, AFL CEO, everyone talks up uh, Travis Old and Andrew Dillon. And I did a little bit of work with Travis Old and I think he's a pretty good operator from what I've seen. I don't really know Andrew Dillon, so I can't comment uh, for him. People talk about Brendan Gale. I think he looks like a superb candidate. But I've got to say, I uh, am a little bit miffed that Matt Finnis uh, doesn't get mentioned as a potential CEO. He does things very differently. He operates very differently. He has a very different flow about him to uh, Dimitriou uh, or, of course, Gil uh, in, in more recent years, of course. But, again, when you have a look at uh, what he's done over his eight-year tenure at St Kilda, I think it's a pretty impressive uh, CV and... He may not have got to uh, a final shortlist, um, but uh, for the industry to discount him because he's from St Kilda, I think demonstrates where St Kilda needs to improve, how we need to get better, how we need to be bigger so that uh, people do take the football club seriously. Uh, and, of course, uh, in taking us seriously, then that has a whole range of flow and benefits uh, as well, including... Uh, things like fixtures uh, and, of course, uh, dealing with other football clubs uh, and also uh, attempting to recruit players like Jordan Dugowie and culture and leadership as well. Really interested to see what 
Matt Finnis's next step is. Obviously, he's had a, a massive impact on the game, both as the CEO of the AFLPA for a number of years before he came across to our club. And, and it's pretty clear to see the impact that he's had on our footy club over the last, was it, seven or eight years. Um, and you know, I think we said earlier in the year, we, we wish him all the best. Um, I wonder if potentially he's got something lined up already, which is why you know, maybe he's not in, in the discussion. Um, but really interested to see what he does next because he's, he's obviously a, a, a very accomplished business person. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He knows the industry. But he's also a very good person. He's a good human being. Uh, he stands for good things. And I wish him all the best. Thank you to all our listeners, our watchers tonight. We will try and get this for anyone who couldn't watch or listen to the whole thing tonight. We'll try and get the episode up in enough time tomorrow for you to listen before the game. Uh, if not, then over the weekend, obviously, whatever whatever suits you. But thanks for, for listening. Thanks for jumping on with your questions. Uh, thanks to Phil, to Rory, to Benji for jumping on the Zoom call. Uh, and we will see you guys next week. Go Saints. <laughs>